On this episode of Dweeb Dive, we'll talk about where we've been and what we've been up to. Then we'll discuss a little bit of Star Wars news that's come out. And then we'll wrap up our series finally on The Witcher, Episode 8, and then just talk about the series as a whole. So with that being said, let's go ahead and batten down the hatches again and... Dive! Dive! Bravo 6, going dark. What's going on, everyone? It's Austin or Andrew, depending on what you like to call me. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Connor. Connor, how are we doing tonight, man? It has been a while since we recorded. It has been a hot minute, but we have our reasons. We have our reasons indeed. Uh, I had a lovely time at your wedding, Austin. It was one of the most fun, most fabulous weddings I've ever been to. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for that, and I'm so happy that you were there. Uh, for everyone that's listening, Connor was my best man at my wedding. That's right. <laughs> On the 22nd of February, so we had a six-digit palindrome, 022220. Not to be confused with the eight-digit that's like ultra-rare, which I think was the second, Wait. I think, of February, 020220. I didn't even notice that. Was that... Wow. Planned? Yeah. <laughs> not by me. Of course not. It wasn't me, but yeah, it was def- planned. I mean, definitely not you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not creative. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 022220, backwards and forwards. Same thing. That's incredible. Isn't that cool? You probably unlocked some sort of ancient ritual magic <laughs> by getting married on that date. You, you're probably going to have a baby that's going to be eight feet tall. Wow. Uh, yeah, hot take <laughs> prediction. Ooh, <laughs> right, you heard you heard. It I'm writing first. a nasty letter to the podcast about that hot take because oh. <laughs> Wait, are you grossed out by the miracle of human life? I'm sorry. No, I didn't want to go in this direction, but uh... <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. But anyway, uh, the. Wedding was a lot of fun. It was in Sarasota. It was a little destination wedding. Um, we were late to the church, but that was not just Connor and I. It was the entire wedding party. We were supposed to leave at 1, and we left at one thirty from the hotel. But we did make it in time, so that's always a plus. And everything else, it went off without a hitch. Fun <laughs> cocktail hour that I didn't get to go to, but I think that's standard. And then dinner, reception... Yep. Got bodied a little bit in the reception, got cried, which I guess is pretty normal, so I guess it's not terrible, but... You're welcome. Yeah, thanks a lot, dude. Um, gotcha. But it was it was a good time, lots of fun, tons of alcohol, open bar for six hours, so it was great. It was great. Yeah, <laughs> and nobody drank a drop. It was crazy. <laughs> no, I'm joking. People, yeah. Maybe they had a good time. Nobody. Maybe was, uh, I can disclose so. information about. No, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not going to. I was gonna. Re- I was. Ge- I was gonna say <laughs> uh, something about yeah. someone, but never mind. I'm gonna take that back immediately. But we're gonna talk about that on our other podcast, Dweeb Dive Extra, <laughs> which is only available in China, and you have to physically be in China to listen to it. So in the Wuhan district, that one's up to you specifically. <laughs> in the Wuhan district, unmasked. Which I don't know is why I'm another laughing. requirement. It's a horrible tragedy. 
Oh. Oh, oh, we're not we're not doing the jokes. Oh, okay. Well. Oh uh, no, I mean if you want to if you want to go there, like let's go there. A <laughs> hundred miles an hour, like put the pedal to the metal, man. Let's do it. Do we get a free pass because we're both Asian? And by uh, well, the transitive Asian property, we gotta, you know, we gotta make these jokes. Mm, I don't know how does that work. Transitive Asian property—that's a real thing. Yeah, of course it's a real thing. But anytime Jackie Chan does anything, we all get a, a download in our brain <laughs> of what he's up to. Well, we get a download because he's our uncle. That's a yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's everybody's uncle. He's like the he's like the Genghis Khan of the 20th century. He's fathered and sired every child of Asian descent. Wow. Yeah. You know what? I can run with that. I'll run with that. But uh, Yeah, let's do it. Hey, we're back is the important thing. That's the important thing. After oh, two yeah. weeks. Right. We were supposed to record last week, but flight got delayed extra, extra. And then the wife made the decision like, hey, we're just going to fly out same time. The next day, so we just stayed. We went to Disney World uh, for a little small honeymoon, and yeah, Ooh. we did, we got an extra day or extra night, extra day. And because we're fancy schmancy pass holders, we got the extra magic hours at Epcot because we stayed at the Dolphin, and then we did Animal Kingdom Whoa. the next day, which was a good time. We didn't get rained on, even though it rained a little bit. And I'm guessing about 70% of what I just said, no one is going to know what it means or what it is, but that's okay. I was just going to say, that sounded like, well, frankly, like another language. Yeah, dude. What was all that? Okay. Real fast. I'll I'll make it really, 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 really fast. Please educate. So Extra Magic Hours is a time that you can go to the park um after uh-huh. it technically closes so it not all parks have it at the uh-huh. same time so epcot if you're familiar it's got the big golf ball um had extra magic hours from 9 to 11 so typically yeah. if it closes at 9 you have to get out but if you're a not poor like we are or oh, were <laughs> i'm totally kidding my leash but it is super expensive to be a pass holder and we have the florida discount which helps a lot but anyway so everyone that's not a pass holder has to leave. If you are a pass holder, you can stay, and that essentially gives you the ability to ride rides, um, do a little extra shopping. But really, it's just the rides and be in the park longer. Um, so that's what Extra Magic Hours is. It's a, it's a nice oh little perk God. to have. The Dolphin is one of the nicer hotels, I guess you could say. It's definitely one of the ones that... Um, whatchamacallit, uh, that everyone knows, I guess. It's a Marriott hotel, and it's right next to Epcot, so it's in walking distance for everything Epcot-related. So it was easy to get a night there, walk to Epcot, and then obviously we took like a bus to Animal Kingdom the next day. But anyway, that is all that. That's what that all means. So you're welcome. If you have any Disney questions, I am useless in that regard. I am learning my wife and my <laughs> sister-in-law are the ones that are experts their entire family actually oh, okay so okay so you're you've been a, you've been adopted into this disney tradition oh yeah absolutely absolutely okay uh, i don't want to stick too long on disney but i have to ask is it super satisfying when the park's closing and they're like get out peasants get out and you like show your badge you're like oh no we're of the upper crust thank you uh, they just—they're like, oh, ma- oh, sir, madam, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Please, 
I wish it was like that, but there's actually so many people that are uh, pass holders. Oh, really? But uh. in all honesty, you do get some shorter wait times on rides that are typically really, really busy. So it's got it's definitely got its perks, but it's definitely way less crowded than when the pores are in the parks. So <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> when the pores are in the park, Austin, I need to get you like a, a British classic royalty attire (laughs) like a powdered wig and like blushed cheeks see i talk a big game but i'm actually a poor as well so it it works out i can make these jokes because i'm also a poor that you know the transitive property of poor which is very similar to the transitive property of of asianness are you following yeah i they're pretty much they pretty much go hand in hand honestly oh yeah Oh yeah, you can't have one without the other. <laughs> exactly. But before we just gloat, yeah, we uh, clearly we've been out of the game. We're, we're babbling. I'm literally. I'll tell you what I've been doing. I'm. I have my uh, my recording software up, and I'm just watching my voice inflections, and I'm I'm kind of mesmerized. I'm like making <laughs> I'm like making Christmas trees in, in a way. It's it's really cool actually. Oh, with the waveform. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to launch into the news after saying that we've been off our game to establish that we maybe have some game left. And then you immediately supported your statement that we're off our game by saying some really stupid stuff. Well, yeah, I, I had to convey the idiocy that was happening in my own house with oh, me, man. with what I've been doing. But to your point, we'll get into it. New Star Wars news, High Republic, Connor, tell us about that. Well, uh, to some people's dismay, it is not a stoner comedy. Um, It is also not a high-end dispensary, which is kind of what it sounds like. Welcome to the High Republic. We have a bong made out of dinosaur fossils. Um, It is a new era that... Disney, Star Wars, uh, they're exploring a new area of time in the uh, in the Star Wars timeline. Um, it's based loosely, and it's related loosely to uh, the Old Republic. Um, it's very transparently uh, sort of a spiritual successor to the Old Republic. It's going to deal with kind of the same themes, the same technology, so like swords, uh and pre-blaster weapons are going to be evident in the in that era too. It is not, however, a movie, TV, or game. Uh, they haven't been activated for any of those medias yet. But the speculate. So what it is? I, I should say this first. It's going to be comics and stories, novels. That is what they're looking for. The speculation is that this is kind of a low in, a low cost investment for Disney right now. They don't really know where to take. Uh, take the IP. They don't really know what to do with it. It seems likely that they're going to continue forward in time, but hey, the Old Republic was really popular. The MMO had a really strong fan base. Why not check it out? So the speculation is they try this out for a while. Hey, maybe the comics do well. Maybe the novels sell out. Bam. Now you have a great place to start a TV show, maybe make a game. And if that goes well, hell, probably a movie. Um, As we've discussed before, on our podcast, KOTOR, you know, it was greenlighted at least, uh, it was greenlighted for a skeleton crew to start writing some TV plot ideas and some movie uh, treatments. So 
who knows? I I think Disney's kind of just doing the shotgun approach right now, and uh, they'll see what's going on. If you want to know more about the High Republic, they did put out a five-minute overview. It's not terribly in-depth, but uh, you can expect that to really match the at least the feel of the Old Republic. And if you want to know more about that, play the games. Uh, they're very good. Nice. Wouldn't That's it be got, something? Man. Wouldn't it be something that Disney has a lot of success with this, and then it's? I, I mean, would it be a good thing that they would be? Obviously, the progression of you know novel, comic to show, game, movie is is good, but this community craves good Star Wars games. I mean, Kotor being one of the best games Star Wars has ever yeah. seen. And that, I mean, the original Battlefront was pretty cool, but obviously not quite the same as KOTOR. And then I know the most recent game, Fallen Order, was cool, but again, not the magnitude that KOTOR is. So it'd just be interesting, and I don't know if it would be worrisome or not if Disney pursued a game um, for the higher public to, to mimic KOTOR. I mean... I don't know if it's been something on the cards for, I think, what, it's EA that did that? No, Bioware. Excuse me. But maybe... Kotor, yeah, Bioware. Maybe EA owns Bioware. I don't know. But Bioware... Yeah, they do. I feel like it may have been on their radar. I I don't know. But obviously, Anthem was a a disaster. The Andromeda, Mass Effect Andromeda, unfortunately, was not received very well after such a stellar trilogy. So we'll we'll see, and obviously, if Disney thinks there's some profits in it, then they'll definitely pursue it. But I, I don't know; it just makes me nervous because I obviously really would love another game like Kotor to play. Especially, I'm not gonna nitpick Kotor, but the original Xbox backwards compatibility on my Xbox One and 4K TV is is a tough pill to swallow at some points. But the story does make up for it, so it's not terrible. Yeah. But it would be awesome to have that yeah. in the interim. But, I, I mean, I just don't know. It, it's, it just makes me nervous, I guess. So, obviously, lots to lots to be remains to be seen on that one. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll kind of take it as it too. comes. Yeah, it makes me nervous, too. I, I love that. I love the Old Republic, and I don't want to see it tarried <laughs> uh, or tarnished, excuse me, by, I don't know, some new injection that just completely misses the point of what those really represented. I will say, I think Bioware is probably chomping at the bit to get back on the horse and prove that they can make an engaging, well-done sci-fi game. Because uh, their last two have been garbage, and they've really missed the mark. Their, I mean, their last good game was Inquisition, I suppose, uh, which is great. I'm actually playing through it right now, and... They have it. They definitely have the talent and they definitely have the technology. It's just, I think their internal culture was so bad uh, during the production of Andromeda and then especially the production of Anthem. Uh, I, I don't know if you've read into that at all, but the burnout and the internal politics and people leaving in swaths, it was, it was horrible. So I think Bioware is looking for that next killer Star Wars app or the next killer Star Wars game. So, I think Disney probably wants to give it to them because, again, Battlefront 2, it's performing good now. Like, they've kind of turned that game around from the initial reception, but that's about it. 
and it really hasn't like blasted uh, the sales expectations that they wanted. N- not, not like you know those the golden era of Star Wars games did. It, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't hasn't really had that impact yet. So, well, I well, would I, think, I would also be looking out for Bioware to come back too. Well, I think part of the problem is, and it could just be my personal thoughts, but obviously you mentioned Star Wars Battlefront two. One of the biggest things with that was the microtransactions, and that's kind of EA's big ticket. They do FIFA, yeah. Madden, um, I think NHL, all those ultimate teams. You buy, you can buy packs with. Uh, virtual coins and you can get or you can uh, buy those packs with real money and and you know especially I'm stupid addicted to FIFA right now I don't spend any real money on it thankfully but you know proud of you it's uh, (laughs) and and you just you know if I have any uh, fellow FIFA players out there in the world that that listen in you guys know this especially on reddit too i mean the pack there's odds on the packs and you're it's it's literally like gambling you're trying to get high rated players to sell high to get coins to build your fun team that you want to do like france has a lawsuit open against ea for that uh the fifa coin function which is the gambling aspect belgium's outlawed it Uh, i think spain or portugal's looking into banning it um, and, and the quality of the FIFA game in itself has been terrible, and EA has done very little to receive it, to or to fix it rather. And here's a funny thing, Connor. So EA is a massive entity. There, right. soccer is easily the biggest sport in the world, and so the esports scene for FIFA is massive. The servers yeah. can't even support the pro game scene. The servers went down in a pro competition, and some people had to Are you rock papers. Some people had to rock paper scissors to see who advanced. I I no! kid I kid you not. Yeah, even the God, that is embarrassing. The the best player in the world. Uh, his nickname's Tex. Um, he's a British uh player, and he's essentially said no one enjoys playing this game. It's not fun. The mechanics aren't fun. The game in itself is not fun. Um, a lot of promises were made to beginning to make high rated players more accessible. Uh, like, you know, there's these icons the you know, like Pele, like everybody knows who Pele is. You can play him in the game, but he's just stupid to get, yeah. you know, uh, the Brazilian Ronaldo, you know, there's a bunch of other guys I could go on and on about, but like, they're impossible to get. You'll never get them. And EA was supposed to make that easier through, uh, different ways. And it, they, all they do is pump promos out every week. And I mean, if you saw the report, I think, they generated $1 billion in revenue from microtransactions alone. That's the thing. It's like they don't have to be good because they're making money hand over fist. Every single release. Yeah. Well, it's just their, especially their bad on like... cycle on those sports games. Yeah. It's especially bad on FIFA because like Madden, the community is a little more... Uh, I guess I could say... I don't have a good word for it, but essentially if EA screws with Madden, like they, they will lose money because the community will band together and they'll just stop playing. So EA makes an effort with Madden, excuse me, but FIFA, it's been Hmm. terrible. And it was like the number one rated game in the UK recently. So they're like, yeah, we don't care. And I think there's been some old developers saying like, yeah, Madden cares (sighs) because the player base would rise up against us, but we don't give a shit about FIFA or the company doesn't because it does so well regardless. So, uh, the, you know, the long-winded answer, I guess, uh, of EA and, and BioWare, 
is EA wants money yeah. and they're going to pump any way like microtransactions or or whatever it is, you know, get the game out fast and let's and let's make some money, which I think was part of the problem with BioWare. BioWare takes its time, but I heard when Anthem first came out, it was not ready and EA forced BioWare's hand to basically put something out that was not ready and then BioWare took it's the punishment. It's even worse than that. Yeah. So It's actually even worse than that. Uh just really quickly, so everybody says like how did Anthem take 7 years to develop and it's it's this garbage. Anthem wasn't going to be a multiplayer game. <laughs> it was going to be a single player experience, you know, typical BioWare stuff, story driven, character driven uh with exploration. Like that was it. And then EA was nudging them towards this, like, oh, I guess I have a multiplayer component. And they're like, actually, let's make this a games-as-a-service model game. Screw everything you were doing, uh, and let's put this out as soon as possible because we need to make money on the studio. Like, yeah. it's just, ugh, it makes me really upset. That it sounds like really EA. That's that's it. literally, that's EA. So that's what makes me nervous about a the new uh, any potential new game. And I mean... Uh, hopefully EA receives enough backlash to finally, I mean, they had to back down off the microtransactions on battlefront two, but the damage was already done. Like they had so many canceled pre-orders and, you know, a lot of bad taste in a lot of people's mouths with the company. So, you know, it remains to be seen. Obviously FIFA might be a lost hope, but maybe there's hope for other games, but then you have games like call of duty where they're looking at one of the biggest gaming companies in the world self-destructing themselves, and they're like, oh, you know what? We're going to produce free content for a year. You know, no DLC, no, you know, the only microtransactions you need are all cosmetic-related. It doesn't actually yeah. affect the gameplay. Um, so you can certainly spend money if you want to, but if you want to get stuff like cool weapons or whatever, you can absolutely get them, and it's obtainable. Yeah. It's not you hard don't have to, to do. Pay for builds, right? exactly. It, it's very uh, easy to do. And oh, by the way, I was actually going to bring them up. All the new maps are free for a year. So I mean, <laughs> oh really? Yeah. No, every all content is free in, on Call of Duty for a year. Oh yeah, I mean, Call of Duty is a great example of someone who got a ton of backlash <laughs> for like that spat of games that where they were like increasing mobility and it was less about boots on the ground. And then, well, they tried to come back with World War II and people were not super happy about it it wasn't like a disaster and then they you know they got their shit together and they made a great game a really great game and it it answered basically all the criticisms i don't know if ea has to do that i don't know if their day of reckoning will ever come because they're so big they're so powerful and they own so many coveted ips that i don't know if they're ever gonna feel like the heat and be like oh man like we're we're screwed we really gotta turn this thing around I don't see that happening. I think EA is just going to... Okay. I will say the power of legal precedent set by Europe is so strong. Uh, I work in an industry where emailing and privacy and data uh, is like strongly affected. I have to pay attention to it. Europe, their privacy and data laws, as soon as they passed those, they swept straight into Canada and then straight into the US. And like it messed up everything email marketing just got tanked so if that goes well with like their uh their gambling laws and their all of that vulnerability there that may be ea's weak point that may be like what brings them back to reality but 
other than that, barring that, I don't see, I don't see them reacting to like consumer regret or anger and being like, whoa, whoa, we need to change our ways. I just, they're making too much money. Why would they stop? Yeah, I, I hear you. I agree with you. So we'll, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens just with the company as a whole and, and any potential yeah. games, but you ready to, to wrap up the Witcher series? Episode eight. Let's do it, buddy. All right, man. I'm ready. All right. So episode eight of The Witcher, the final episode in season one, it's called Much More, which I feel like this episode just leaves you wanting much more. But we'll break. We'll we'll get in that here in a second. Well done, dude. (laughs) I still got it, bro. I still got it. I'm just waiting until I mispronounce something, though. So <laughs> I'm waiting too. I'm, oh, I got my, I got my, uh, my body's just tense. I'm just waiting for your <laughs> words. You're gonna mess up. I just got to get out of my system, and 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 then we'll be fine. Yeah. Um, it won't haunt you. <laughs> right. Exactly. So we re- rejoin Geralt and Sintra. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hey, I did it. Oh my! There is a god. That is, that's the best thing I've ever, wow. It's like clockwork, Austin. You're just like clockwork. Hey, for the fan. It's for the brand, baby. For the yeah, fans, Andrew for the brand. Nation, rise up. Andrew this is Nation. your king? <laughs> this is your king? Okay, last, last thing before we start. I just, I have to say something. So we joke about Andrew Nation, or it's not a joke, oh, but we, yeah. we talk about Andrew Nation and how I've been mispronounced as oh. Andrew. Okay, so... We had our reception at the Ritz-Carlton in Sarasota, and when we got up to our room, there was a, a iced champagne, uh, some chocolates, whatever, and then an envelope from them, <laughs> and on that envelope, it said Jacqueline oh and Andrew, and <laughs> she looked at that, and she's like, I can't believe this, and I was like, what? She's come look. It's unreal. And I, and I went over there and I looked at it and I said, Andrew. And I immediately, I texted a picture to Connor who was on his way from Tampa. And when he <laughs> didn't immediately respond, I called him. I was like, dude, did you get my text? He's like, yeah. Did you look at it? No. You need to look at it right now. And there's some other friends in the car like, what are you saying? Oh, I got to look at this text right now. And I mean, sure enough, it's on our Instagram. If you want to take a look at it. The Ritz Carlton, Sarasota messed up my name and called me Andrew. So wait, 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 dude! They're just part of Andrew Nation, bro. They're just they're they're super fans. Andrew Nation, <laughs> baby. I mean, they knew it's what's up. It's it's only a joke until it's not a joke. You know, if you say it enough dude. times and you just speak it into existence. So there, Andrew Nation rising up out of the bay in Sarasota, taking a foothold, <laughs> taking a beachhead. <laughs> in the southern part of America, dude. Wow, that's amazing. I love it. I couldn't believe it. It was more of a, you know, it wasn't like a mad shock, but I was just like, I, the meme is real. Andrew Nation, baby. We're, we out here. We out here. We out here. Absolutely. But anyway, we'll, we'll go back to Geralt Nation. Um, we rejoin him in Sintra. Remember, he just killed a Nilfgaardian soldier that was spouting a ton of nonsense um, he gets in a series room. He's looking through her stuff, realizes it's, it's hers. Uh, the knuckle bones the dress, you know, everything that we've kind of seen her in throughout the season. Um, and we hear that echo of his promise to Kalenthi. I will take her protect her, and bring her back unharmed. I promise you that. 
So we, we have all of that kind of going on. Um, he gets out of the city and he's on his way uh, to a, another place that we find out. But he kind of runs into a guy. There's a scene of a guy dragging dead bodies. And it, I think it's the camp that Siri was in yeah. um, that she it escaped is. from. And obviously it the Nilfgaardians slaughtered everybody in there. And this guy's really just trying to to give these people a proper burial um, Geralt accuses him of being a grave robber and he's, and his name's Yurga. He's a merchant. And he says, mm-hmm. if I was a grave robber, I wouldn't be lining the bodies up. I'd have taken everything and left. And then he calls the witcher butcher. He says, so I'm not a grave robber butcher. And Geralt coyly responds, if I was a butcher, then you would be amongst the bodies here and not talking to me. So... You know, Woo! always we always uh, we always like that. Um, he says he's on his way back to Care Morin, which is an old keep in the mountains of Cadwin, where he trained as a witcher. Cadwin, Cadwin, I was close. Yeah, um, and he's he is telling the merchant that he needs to leave or he will surely die. Uh, to go home, just leave a, leave the bodies. Don't be noble about it. Just go. And the merchant says, no, I have to do this. You know, no one else will do it, so I'm going to. Uh, Geralt leaves. And this is when something kind of stirs in the earth. And then these two zombie-like creatures. Connor, do we have a name for those? So it's not confirmed what they are because they don't really look like any of, like, what's previously been uh, portrayed. Some people thought they were Neckers. I think they're ghouls. Uh, because they had somewhat human-like features on their face, and that's what ghouls are known for. Also, ghouls are the only ones that surface out of the ground in that manner. So, I'm going to say ghouls, officially. So, we'll go with ghouls. Two ghouls pop out of the ground and attack the merchant, and Geralt comes back and chops both their heads off, and he says, okay, you really have to go. One bite will kill you, and Yurga says, well, one bite will also kill you, and Geralt kind of just doesn't really respond to that. Um, But he takes Mm -hmm. on these ghouls, and he gets rushed by at least like seven or eight of them, I think. There's a pretty good number. Good amount. Um, He loses his sword, and it's kind of, okay, and this is just, for me, the episode just starts kind of rolling downhill, and Mm. it's just kind of cheap. I mean, Geralt loses his sword, and... So these things, they're primitive. We'll call them primitive creatures. Their bite is very poisonous and dangerous. Yeah. Geralt is literally getting swarmed by these things, and you're telling me there's no action of biting? Like, that's not, like, the first thing that happens for them? They, they're just kind of dra- yeah. like grabbing him? I mean, like, in The Walking Dead, the walkers are immensely dumb, but they are constantly just trying to bite because that's what, I mean, that's it's not they like do. they know, but it's what they do. So, yeah. at all times, they're trying to... I mean, you just hear the chomping sound. So, these things not chomping Geralt is kind of a little annoying to me. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he's the main character. He fights them off. And then, of course, he, he gets bit by one of them. So, this is the other thing that I felt cheap by. Either... I, I'm just... I don't know. I, I didn't like this sequence because... Obviously, these things are still trying to kill him... Their bite is their only real weapon. And mm-hmm. so Geralt gets disarmed 
immediately and is like basically just grappling with these things. He's not doing anything crazy. You know, none of the cool combat sequences that we've seen throughout the season. He's just right. kind of throwing them around and, and punching them. And, and then he gets one bite on his thigh randomly. It's like this dude should be covered in bites or it's, he should have like absolutely kicked their asses yeah. because this has got to be yeah. the most primitive form that he's fought in the whole series and this mm-hmm. is what supposedly takes him down? Really? Ghouls, yeah. And ghouls, ghouls are like one of the top monsters that, that you uh, witchers train to fight, actually, because they're the most common form of necrophage, which are corpse eaters. Uh, they're attracted to dead bodies uh, that are unburied, and you know that's why you have to bury or burn your dead, because you have to watch out for corpse eaters. So, Austin, I really am vibing with you on this, because... This, in the book, this is my favorite opening to a chapter. I mentioned uh, earlier uh, about my second favorite one, but this is my favorite one, and it is so different. Uh, Just pretty much almost, I would say about 70% of it is just completely different, and it makes me really sad. Uh, So I'll I'll give you the highlights of that. Uh, and I promise I'm not spoiling anything because the way the book, it's one of the most beautifully written intros to a chapter ever in literature of all time. It's so nice. So in the book, Geralt is wandering along a lonely road as dusk approaches. Uh, the day is ending. He comes across a wagon. A man sits there uh, trying to fix a broken axle. It is Yurga, the merchant. Um. Yurga, not completely stupid, he goes, oh, I know the woods are dangerous at night and there's beasts prowling, but I have this is the biggest uh, amount of uh, goods I've ever gotten, and I've, I've got so much wealth here. If I give this up, I'm stupid, I'm foolish. He goes, Witcher, I will pay you to protect me as I, as I fix my wagon so we can leave. And the Witcher goes, uh, Geralt goes, absolutely not. Uh, like, that's so stupid, like, you're definitely going to die. And he goes, like, I will uh give you as much as I have. And the Geralt goes like Law of Surprise? <laughs> and the guy goes, Ah what the hell? Yeah. So <laughs> you got that going on. And this uh it's so good, dude. It it relates to Siri. It's amazing. Anyway, as dusk sets, you get to see Geralt take his potions, get ready, and this is all from the perspective of Yurga. And Geralt is so freakish and like menacing and like his, his, his voice tone changes and his skin tone changes. His eyes go black and the beasts that they describe coming out of the forest. It's not like, Oh, like crap. There's like some, like something like eight of them coming out. They're described as a blanket of black shadows sweeping over the ground, coming towards Geralt. Like, dude, it's so terrifying. He's slicing them and like, from underneath the carriage where Yurga's hiding, he sees different limbs falling all around him and like a cascade of blood dripping down the side of the wagon. Geralt gets like tackled off a cliff and he's not just bitten by one stupid random bite. He is sliced to pieces by the time he limps back to Yurga and says, I did it. I got them all. And then he falls to the ground almost dead. So it, ah, dude, you gotta read the books, man. They're so excellent. And, like, this entire last chapter, by the way, in the book, it's called Something More. So much more is kind of an illusion to that. It is one of the best chapters ever. Of all the Witcher books I've read, it's still my favorite chapter. So, ah, uh, you guys got to read it. You got to read it. 
Yeah. Well, I guess the only cool thing that happens is he pulls off uh, either a tongue or an arm of one of the ghouls and starts beating them with it, the other ones with it, which... I believe it was a tongue. A tongue, so... Like, that was okay, yeah. but, yeah, the still the entire thing, um, excuse me, uh, it just, it kind of just sucks. And, I mean, he drops his uh, ceremonial at this point, F-bomb, when he sees the bite, and then he basically says, not a happy ending after all, and then he slumps to the ground, and it's like, oh, okay, so maybe, you know, obviously he's not dead, but he could be. You know, we don't know. Um, I mean, he's like... He's like Witcher injured, which is like dead for anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then after that concludes, we are with Siri now. Uh, if we remember, it's been a little bit since we talked about it. But Siri was basically attacked by her former uh, friends um, that were going to turn her into Nilfgaard for a reward. And she unleashed some sort of power and they all went flying in different directions. And that's, you know all we saw um so we're back there and the woman that had met her um in the town that siri stole her horse finds her again and says you know hey let's let's get out of here you know we should leave and you see one of the boys is literally like launched he was launched into a tree and impaled and he's he's like extra dead and Siri explains like, oh, they they came after me, and um, you know, you know that this is kind of you know she didn't really say like I did this, but she basically said like they came after me, and the woman said, well, they got what they deserved, so they uh, that you know they kind of took she her. She takes that whole scene pretty well for a commoner. Yeah, she's, she's like, like oh, oh yeah, and we get the uh, the I'm gonna call it a drone shot because it's directly over where Siri was. There's a little black spot where she was and unleashed the magic. And then everything around, let's say, well, like like 20 meter uh, diameter yeah. or 20 meter radius, maybe. Yeah. So 40 meter diameter uh, in a circle is just all you could see. It's like windswept from an immense Flat. source. Yeah. So it's like a crop circle. Yeah. So we, we kind of, you know, we, we get the, you know, remember that Siri just did this kind of a thing with, with that shot. But so that's that's it on that front. Um, and then we're back uh, on a rowboat going through some foggy water. The mages from Artuza, uh, Yennefer, Vilgefortz, Tessea, Triss, um, they're all traveling to an old elven keep in Sodden, which we're going to talk about in a second because I oh, we're going to talk about it in a second. Um, it, it's <laughs> right, a, it's a place of great strategic importance, you know, finger quotes. Um, Nilfgaard has to move through this area. Uh, apparently, you know, it's it said that Sodden is the, you know, the key to the North. If, if they can cross that, then the North is basically theirs. Um, and Tessaia tells Yennefer that Tamaria and Cadwin are joining the fight. And they will have to fortify the keep until the armies arrive in a couple days. Um, and we get a little exchange with Vilgefortz and, and Yennefer. Vilgefortz asking why Yennefer came. Um, she doesn't really have an answer. Uh, and they, they kind of have some witty back and forth uh, amongst themselves. Um, you know, Vilgefortz certainly not yeah. backing down. Remember, he had military experience as a mage versus just 
being a uh, royal court. I mean, he's person. Pretty badass. Yeah, he is. Um, pretty cool guy. But yeah, we we get the the aerial shot of the fortress that it, it's like crumbling. It it's old, not great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, that, and the other. Uh, so there's refugees there that have been driven back from Nilfgaard and they're basically prepping to help. Um, you know, Yennefer's kind of telling them like, Hey, you should, uh, you should leave, take the children and hide. And they're basically like, no, they've taken everything from us. So we see, uh, the bows being, uh, lined, I think is the right word. Uh, you know, being tied essentially, the bowstrings, uh, fletching arrows, and then there's these little glass bottles with blue rocks that are explosive. So like little blue bombs to yep. keep with the blue theme. Uh, we do have little blue rocks <laughs> that explode, and they're and they're already bottled. <laughs> they are pre-bottled. So that is weird. <laughs> hey, you can't you can't escape bottled destiny, dude. You can't escape destiny. Um, Absolutely not. Then we get a little scene of Yennefer on the battlements. As she, she's kind of wandering around. Um, she she makes nice with uh, Tissaia, but before that, yeah, um, she's talking finally. with the refugee woman, and, and the woman's kind of talking about her experience and, you know, like, oh, I wish we had more, but Nilfgaard cut us off, and she takes a feather and turns it into like five feathers and gives it to the woman. And she's like, well, I wish I could do that. And, um, you know, Yennefer's like, it's magic. It's not real. Sucks to suck. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we, we do get, uh, to and Yennefer do a little bit of bonding over, uh, over a drink. And, um, we kind of get the, that Yennefer is, she, I basically say she's ready to die. She's lived a couple lifetimes, and it's not been that great. No legacy to leave behind. No family. You know, yeah. she's been unsatisfied. And to say, uh, being the mentor that she is, disagrees and says, "You have so much left to give," uh, which, which is a little bit of foreshadowing there. Um, um, it's at this point I'm, as I was watching the scene, Austin, and I'm seeing how to say is being with Yen after all this time. She still just believes in her so much. I really thought back to that uh, second episode, third episode. Whenever we meet Yennefer for the first time and Istred warns her that she'll see you, she'll come for you. Talking about Tissaia. But I have to say, she's been nothing but a positive influence on Yin's life. I mean, I guess technically she roped her into the whole thing of uh, being a mage. But you could arguably say that that's generally been better for her right i mean it was had to be better than scooping pig shit and you know being hated by your family i, I just I, I never really felt that to say i was like this like i do think she's cunning i think she's very very smart i definitely got that but i didn't see her as nefarious at all it, it seemed like she was being set up that way i don't know what do you think i mean i think it was genuine i, I just think the her body language and her tone of voice and her more casual nature, I think really just being conveyed in her body language. Uh, I, I mean, I felt that the message and what she was saying was very genuine and that it was a different interaction than what Tissaia and, and Yennefer have had in the past. So, 
yeah, I mean, I I think it was to say it was being supportive. Now, I mean, I will say I think she would have been more hard on Yennefer throughout the episodes. That was my take on it. But yeah, this this was a a, yeah. a, a a change, at least in my mind. You know, I mean, I don't know. I saw it as tough love. I saw it as tough love, in my opinion. Yeah, I I could see that. I could see that because yeah, she she does do an interesting supporting of her. Which I think to say it knows when she pushes too hard, she kind of reels herself back in by dropping a nice line. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this interaction was just completely different. So. <laughs> Tissaia uh, is basically like Coach Carter, like up front. <laughs> she's like, "How do I reach these kids?" And she's she's going hard on Yennefer, but once Yennefer starts putting down threes, uh, in the form of summoning like lightning balls and shit like that, she's like, "Wow, you've really come a far, <laughs> you've really come a long way." <laughs> we got a big, we got a big match with the Nilf Guardians tonight. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for coming along. Big game. Yeah. <laughs> Can I trust this you? This episode is just a rehashing of Coach Carter. <laughs> I well, hope I guess you guys understand Is that. that a step up or a step down from a rehashing of Shrek? <laughs> I don't know anymore, dude. You don't know? <laughs> My <laughs> mind is mush. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let's let's keep going and maybe we can make that determination. Okay. Um. So we, we get a little bit of everybody. So we get that interaction with Desaia. Now we're with the Nilf Guardians and Kay here and Frangella. So... Kay here uh, is getting talked to by a marshal. Um, he's telling him, and he says it in a very, no, I mean, if you were like, what does enough guardian sound like? You, this guy sounds like that. Yeah. He's like, we've got 50,000 troops on their way from the freshly raised city of Sintra. And a scout's have reported the rebel mages fortifying the castle. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, dude, shut up. You know, be, <laughs> stop talking immediately. Total can you, turd. Can yeah. you write down what you need to say so you don't speak? That would be me. If I was K here, I'd be like, dude, okay, stop. Write it down and go away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um But we uh so I think the Nilf Guardians weren't aware that the mages were gonna be there, but they're the they're spotted fortifying the castle. And uh, so Kay here is kind of hesitant on his approach. Um, and the the marshal's kind of telling him that, you know, we can take this now, you know, basically trying to tell Kay here, forget Siri, forget her. Like, we can do this. We can take the north. Like, let's continue on mission. And Frangela's like, uh, no, we need to get Siri. Like, this has to be done. Um and the problem of, okay, well, what do we do about the mages there? Like, we don't know how many there are or or what the power is, essentially. And Frangela's like, well, it doesn't really matter because we have power and it's it's limitless. You know, we, we don't follow the rules, essentially. Um, and I will essentially break them. And we get a another look of the dark magic. I believe it's dark magic. Um that, I'll talk about that in a sec, but yeah, okay. continue. That Frangella and her mages are using, but with the knight, what ends up happening is there's a massive fireball that comes out, is coming towards the castle. Yen wakes up, stops it, and then deflects it, and it explodes way above, uh, you know, out of the way of the castle. And you're just like, whoa, what, what, 
where'd that come from? So Frangella is by a trebuchet, one trebuchet and sees it explode out of the way. And she orders another mage to conjure up another fireball. And you see like a smoldering robe next to this woman. And she seems very hesitant, and but she does it. And mm-hmm. you can see as she's conjuring it, she is disintegrating. She is dying. And by the time she sh- trans- uh, basically shoots it to the trebuchet for firing, she's a pile of dust like the previous mage. And they fire that off. Crazy. Um, Yennefer wakes everyone up um, and tosses the second one off uh, of the castle. And basically it's like, all right, here we go, ladies and gents. Like we're, uh, we're about to do this thing. Um, so, Connor, are you going to break down what, what magic so- we're, we're seeing here? It's it's a bit confusing, actually. Uh, there is dark magic. Uh, there's definitely dark magic in the Witcher universe. That's been established. Geralt hates it. And it's generally seen as a taboo, obviously. Uh, and that, you know, Fingilla references that. In terms of fire being part of that, not really. Uh, sacrificial magic absolutely is dark magic, but uh, summoning fire from sacrifice, uh, that's new. That's totally new. And I guess any amount of power and it and it, and it re- re- requires a human sacrifice, I guess it doesn't really matter what's happening. You could be summoning a bed of flowers and if someone dies, I guess that's dark magic too. But it, it's just, it was interesting. I, I thought it looked, visually, I thought it looked cool. I thought it spoke very well to the style of magic that Frangilla was kind of fostering in Nilfgaard. And by the way, I think Frangilla, they did a great job at making her a menace, like uh, making her seem like a very cunning adversary. But, because uh, like Triss Marigold, she uses fire magic. Geralt uses fire magic. Uh, and neither of them have any dark connection. So it, it's interesting. I, I'm not saying it's wrong or it's bad. I just, I was surprised to see that be a sacrificial thing. Yeah, maybe uh, it has something to do with like the, con- like as she's conjuring this, uh, and, and it's not like a fireball until it, gets to the trebuchet so maybe there's something there that we're missing but i mean it's like a red ball of energy essentially it's almost like essence you know dark essence that's or being like pulled out of this fire it could be like demon fire or something to that effect because the, they do there is there is uh domain magic uh domain magic basically being it, it pulls from a different plane of existence so you can pull an essence from like a demon plane or an ice plane like the Wild Hunt, it's, they're, they're another faction in this universe. They use uh, Ithilin's ice to, you know, cast a lot of their spells. So it could be something like that where she, it's not like fire as we know it. It's fire from a demonic realm or something, and that's why it's sacrificial. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, well, maybe we can do a little bit of comparison because there's something sort of similar that happens at the end of the episode. But so the next morning. Right, um, right. Fringella hands a small black box to a grubby-looking uh, sorcerer, and she tells him to draw the mages out. Um, we find out that 22 of the rebel mages have abandoned the keep, uh, being afraid of the fireballs, so yay for cowards. And yeah. uh, essentially, the, the grubby sorcerer-looking guy is creating or generating a fog from the Nilf Guardians to the Castle Keep. Um, and that's that big. and that's what they're going to use to approach 
the keep um, in the cover of the fog. And Taseya is essentially assigning people areas and everyone's scrambling. And she tells Yennefer to climb up to a, a nearby tower and watch over the battle, tells her to reserve her chaos. And this, okay. And this is the other, this is the start of what I, I just think is dumb. Okay. Why are you benching your best player <laughs> when you could literally have anybody else up there do what she does? Like what? It's she's coach Carter. You can't look coach Carter's <sighs> mind is on a different level of strategy. I'm sorry that you don't understand it, Austin. I don't. I don't understand it. No, it doesn't really make sense. It, 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 to be honest, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Um, you would think she would at least take part in like an opening salvo or something to kind of soften them up so they don't run in fresh on like, you know, the uh, the third strings. But what yeah. can do? Well, I mean, she literally like they recruited her. They're like, hey, look, you're really, really good. You're like the best ever we want you to come fight with us because you are the best ever oh by the way we're benching you in the first half coach <laughs> come on coach put me in getting it you I'm got a ready, first coach. got a first half suspension for being uh <laughs> you know it was it was all those herbs she was doing <laughs> that's right she tested she got a yeah. positive test on uh you know, yeah. the, the mage, uh, the drug screening, and they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, you're suspended <laughs> you for... Her, but for mages. <laughs> yeah, you're you're suspended for the first half of the battle. Sorry, can't... You yeah. just have to look out and tell us what's going on. You can't participate. But yeah. I just... Uh, the Kedwin was... State Athletic Commission banned her <laughs> yeah. for four games and a half, and she's she's got to serve her last half. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, so dumb. Anyway... Come on. So before Come that on. battle takes off, um, we're back with Geralt, who is alive. He's in the back of uh, uh, Jurgen's cart, and or Yurga, excuse me. Um, he's he's kind of pale, uh, and he's having visions. And so this is pretty interesting of of him as a boy. So the first one, he's got a bucket on his head, but don't call him a bucket head. Um, He's got a Andy Milanakis. No, you don't get that. Okay, great. Um, I got a bucket on my head, but don't call me a bucket head. Yeah, boy, you think I didn't watch Andy Milanakis? You're crazy. I, I mean, you didn't giggle or anything. How am I supposed to know? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to do you want to try that? Do you want to try that again? Do you want to say it again? No, uh, it's past. Moment's past. No, no, no. no. Why don't you go ahead and say it again? <laughs> okay. No. I was going to give you just a huge round of laughter as soon as you started talking. <laughs> I'm really glad that I opted not to. Um, but yeah, he's got the bucket. He's got a wooden sword and he's fighting an imaginary monster in the kitchen. And, you know, saying how he's going to get his mom a, um, a necklace of dragon teeth and, you know, go to the ends of the earth and, and do this and do that. And she's like... We must live and let live. Um, you don't really see her face. It's Apparently, it's kind of their code. And this is interesting. And maybe you'll have some insight, Connor. Uh, so yeah. Geralt sees a tiny golden dragon. And it's our good buddy Borch before he's a big boy dragon that we see in the fireplace. Yeah. And, and Geralt sees him. 
but and we hear a familiar phrase being uttered that it's magic it's not real so i, I mean it's just kind of like okay is this yeah like that's what's happening uh, i don't remember it perfectly but i'm pretty sure that, that that's was just included for the show in the okay. In the book, he's hallucinating. He's thinking back to a lot of memories he's had with Yennefer. Um, again, he is getting some childhood memories. It, it's it's not different in feeling, but the, what he sees are different. So, I can't I can't really tell you what's going on with that. It just kind of feels like it was thrown in there, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, that's that's all, that's all I really remember. Um, there is a very long. Uh, like his vision in the book, it's not as, it's very trippy, but it doesn't swim as fast through the visions as it does here. Like he spends a lot of time in some of these memories, uh, particularly one where he's at a festival with Yennefer, but that's, that's neither here nor there. I mean, it accomplishes pretty much the same thing. He's thinking about his, himself as a child, himself as a witcher and what that all means. That's what they needed to get across here. And they, and, and they do. Yeah. Well, the the vision continues, and he's in the back of a cart, which we, we kind of see him coming in and out as he is in the back of a cart. And he's chatting up his mom and talking about going to the ends of the earth, going to Rivia, going to a um, couple other places. We hear the name uh, Vesemir mentioned, uh, which we, you know, we, we put a bookmark on that. It's an important name. We don't really find out much now, but if you read the books or a gamer, you, you kind of know who he is. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he, he's like, oh, I'm he, he's being a kid. He's he's babbling 100 miles an hour. Um, and as and then he somewhere within his babbling, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm hungry. And his mom basically floats an apple to him. So we're like, OK, she's a sorceress. Okay, like, um, good. And she stops the cart and says, I need some water. Will you go get me some water? And Geralt, being the good son that he is, grabs a bucket from the back of the cart and uh, runs down to a conveniently located stream right down uh, the road, or right down from the road, rather, uh, and, and fills the bucket and... Kind of, he comes back up. His mom's gone, and he's shouting Yikes. for her, and he's shouting for her, and you know, he shout. He's just, he's a lost little boy, quite literally left by his mother. Um, and but he he snaps out of it, and he wakes up. Um, he realizes where he is. He sees his leg. It's quite messed up. He's moving around. Yurga jumps off. He's like, "Don't move! Don't move!" Um. You know, stop moving, blah this, blah that. And Geralt is, you know, asks him for his bag. He takes a potion, uh, one of the black liquid potions out. He he slams a, a hit. Then he pours some onto the wound, and it sizzles like uh, hydrogen peroxide. Um, and uh, and then he's back out. He he's knocked back out essentially. Uh, yeah. So dude's tripping. Yeah, he's yeah he is he's on those festival drugs dude he's just trying to have a good time yeah well before we find out more about that we're back at the keep remember the best player has been benched for testing positive for banned substance <laughs> um and, and it's a lengthy battle uh and we get to see some of the cool stuff uh of the different mages so 
first up, you know, uh, Yennefer's at the top and, you know, can you hear me? Anyone hear me? Tissaia, can you hear me? You know, that that whole right. thing. And she's basically just IDing down. Uh, troop movements. And the first batch is moving through some woods and Triss is with Tissaia, who gives her a nod. And to say, or Triss spreads her hands out along the ground and basically gets poison mushrooms conjured up next to these soldiers. And you see little puffs coming up as they walk and step on them. And then they all die. A very terrible, you know, almost like a cyanide-style death. You know, white froth coming out of the mouth as all your cellular respiration stops and you just die. Um, and then you see that Triss's area of the grass that she was touching is all dead um so they don't kill themselves to do deadly magic equivalent so, exchange yes which i which i do love um next up is uh the blonde sabrina um i the next sabrina uh, glanvig sabrina glanvig very good mm-hmm. um who is a crack shot with a bow and arrow which is cool um Yennefer lets her know where they're at and then is telling her, hold, 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 okay, go. Uh, they throw, or there's some uh, slingers. Slingers? Slingshot guys? Slingers. 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 Slinger. We got a stage five slinger. Um, <laughs> but they launch the bottled blue rocks and... Sabrina shoots an arrow, hits it. I mean, they one, they whip these damn things really, really far. Two, Sabrina hitting yeah. it with an arrow. I mean, she is magical, so that's awesome. But also probably takes some skill. Wait, does she shoot the arrow? I thought other archers shot. She it. shoots the first one. Oh, okay. She shoots the first one and then other archers shoot the next ones. Because the first one detonates really high above the soldiers. I don't know if it does any damage, but they all, they're like, essentially like, oh shit, not good. And they start trying to run. And this is when the other ones come in and the other archers hit them. And it's like a white phosphorus That'd magic. So it's an hard. explosion, yeah. white phosphorus. Like it's burning these guys. Like they're not like Nilfgaard, not having a good day today. If you're a soldier in Nilfgaard and you're in the initial assault, you're not having a good day. Yeah, dude. I mean, the battle just started and the enemy already has kill streaks. It's bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, not fair. Well, then on, t- on top of that, I think so. The last mage we see, Coral, um, she like there's a squad approaching her, and she essentially uses uh, telekinesis <clears throat> and like blasts them back or breaks their necks or something like that. I think she breaks their necks. Like I'm pretty certain that yeah, that's what they, she does. There's a whole lot of bones going. <clears throat> I remember the bones. Yeah. The so bone sound effects. Um, I mean, so yeah, she, she starts bleeding from the nose, so she probably had to conjure that herself. Oh, uh, and, and there's a quick Which side good. note. I'm super sorry that I keep sniffling. I, I am a little stuffy, so. Hey, I know how much you hate sniffling. I'm a little stuffy too, so we're, we're both getting over sicknesses. I hope this, this episode is not garbage, but it's good. It's good that Coral, they, they showed her nose bleeding because it's, it's easy to forget that there's two resources that mages use. One, it's what creates, uh, what exchanges in chaos. So 
what has to be consumed for the magic to happen, A, but B, it is very taxing physically. No matter how much you're exchanging, no matter how efficient the exchange is, there is only so many spells you can cast at once before you get exhausted. There's many, many, many times in the literature where Yennefer has to cast or hold, especially hold like a protective spell, and always it ends up with her being like wiped out. So you can kind of, I mean, they really are the archetype of glass cannons. If you've ever heard that term in video games, they're super strong up front, tons of damage, tons of power, but man, they, they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable in both uh, like close up melee combat and they just don't have the, the endurance. Coach Carter didn't have them uh, doing sprints like he should have. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, their their conditioning clearly not what it needed to be. Nope. Um, but so the the next sequence is we see K here, and he's surrounded by some guys and uh, oh gosh, line. What's her name? Fringella. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. and nice. he's discussing the battle plans and the next steps, and so. Frangella leaves him uh, to to help with the assault. The commander that we hate leaves him. And so he's got a couple guards. And this is when you hear Yennefer say, now, Vilgaforce. And so he portals in some cool sequence. Got a, a couple sick knife throws, kills a couple guards. And then he yeah. go and then he throws the sword at Kay here, who he, he dodges. And then it's kind of cool. He just reaches down at his hilt and produces a new sword by magic. And then starts Actually, really cool. Yeah. It starts attacking uh, yeah. K here and K here keeps disarming him and he keeps producing swords. And you just hear Yennefer saying to control the chaos, to slow down because as Connor just mentioned, it's very taxing to, to do magic, even conjure up a sword like six times or however many times he gets disarmed. And yeah. K here knows immediately once he starts producing swords, like, Oh, I just basically have to disarm you every single time. You would think that you would just leave the sword on the ground and just pick it up again, because I mean he does some really good dodges with with K here. You know, there's definitely some uh, some good back and forth with with Vilgefortz, but eventually, yeah, he reaches down and a sword does not appear, and Vilgefortz is basically like, ah, oh, shit, in his head. But he's like, K here, what? He's like, what do you want? Like, why are you doing this? And K here basically says like I want to I want to find out you know like why like where it all comes from or something cheesy stupid you know very villainy um that someone would say so but yeah I mean that's yeah, kind of, was, I mean we a, find that out um really quickly this is a fighting style that's been hinted at but we've never really seen it before um sort of a battle mage uh Vilgefortz <laughs> doesn't really come off like the Vilgo in, in the literature he doesn't really come off like the Vilgo Forts in the show but I'm I'm glad they went this direction with him that he's uh, a younger guy he's tactical his I mean his military experience really shows and the fact that it's blended so well with magic this was a highlight of the episode for me honestly just the whole idea of how he fights and throws swords and summons them I thought that was pretty cool so I'm glad that <laughs> I'm glad that there was this bright spot here um yeah. But yeah, where, where are we now? Fog? Well, um, yeah. So, well, Vilgefortz 
gets kicked off the cliff and then hits his head oh, on, a, right. on a super sharp rock and it's like, oh great, he's dead. Yennefer's like, oh dead. Yeah, he's dead. Um <laughs> Bye. But uh so then Frangella is entering the fray now and she, <laughs> she all she does is yell open and the barred gate blasts open and the fog starts rolling in and uh Yennefer's like Taseya, we need you. The gate's been breached. Like, we need your help. Um, you know, the, like I said, the fog's rolling in. And basically, and then the guy, the mage that's generating the fog, he's like slowly been disintegrating. He drops dead, and the black box that Frangilla gave him falls down. And before it opens, uh, Taseya finds Frangilla because Frangilla takes some archers once the gates open creates a portal and the archers stand all around it and they shoot arrows into the portal and amazingly all the arrows hit targets so i don't really know how that works but it's pretty damn effective in that yeah. aspect so yeah. whatever it's magic Anything yeah uh kind of you know it, it is what it is but um at some point to say finds frangella and Okay, this is this is one thing that kind of disappointed me. Tissaia is easily one of the most powerful sorceresses in right this universe, um, and we don't even get anything out of her. She tries to talk to Frangella. Like, what do you expect? You're just gonna talk Frangella off this Nilfgaard cliff and get her back? Like, oh, I yeah. it's not too late. And Frangella's like basically like. Gives her the middle finger and blows black dust in her face and like, all right, peace to say like that's it for you. What is okay? What is that black dust? Like, is that these are like? I'll tell you right now. Most of the spells, I would say eighty five percent to ninety percent, and most of the magic shit going on here, all new. I mean, all created. The Battle of Sodden does not uh, is not portrayed in the book. The oh. old, the, the, what we hear about it is uh, in the same story, Geralt actually visits. After he's feeling a little bit better, he's able to walk around. He comes across the site of the battle and there's already graves. And there's already like, like it, it doesn't happen uh, at the same time like it does in the show. So yeah. he finds it afterwards and he, he's still kind of semi-hallucinating. And he actually has like a, he has like a little chat with like, like literally death. Like a lady that is just death. And they talk about like, you know, what's true in death and what's not true. It's this whole thing. So all that to say, we don't actually see Sodden portrayed in the literature. It's just the aftermath and kind of the death toll is what we hear about. So uh, this is all new and there's no details about the battle, nothing. So they just kind of went with their gut and tried to make a battle that seemed cool. Well, but yeah, all the magic, pretty much all of it new, new stuff. All right, well, then it's super cheap, and Frangella just blows black dust into Saya's face, and Taseya's out. That's it. She's done. Donezo. Done. Done. It's all It's all over. Um, upon upon Taseya being taken out, the black box that the mage dropped opens, and there's, like, these worms that come out of it and, and go into the ground. Um... And we kind of find out what they're capable of because there's uh, a couple kids that are like walking up and they find Sabrina and then Sabrina stops what she's doing and gives a nod to the kids. 
and they each grab an explosive vial and um, they start positioning themselves and Sabrina goes up to where Yennefer is and Yennefer's like, uh, oh, Sabrina, what are you doing here? And Yennefer gets stabbed with an arrow in, in the lower abdomen. Boink. Like, again, just like, ah, uh, it's so annoying. Like, uh, You didn't like, like the worms? No, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't. I thought it was just so, it's such an easy cop-out to conclude the battle. Like, like, I get it. Like, I, okay, like, I see it definitely being a tactic that's used by Nilfgaard, but just like, ugh. It's annoying. Yeah. It's so it's just my, so, so cheap in in my opinion when there's so much like when you're seeing the other things that Nilfgaard is doing like the portal with the archers the sacrifices mages shooting massive fireballs like the fog like that was all cool but then like Frangella yells yeah. open and the gate just blows open like they had no chance and then she just gets the mage in there and drops the worms and like suddenly they're in like kids that are running around and infect Sabrina too like what I don't know yeah actually you know what after you're hearing you say that I think I agree it's it wasn't on the same like they had such a better option the whole time why did they why did they even bother having a battle why didn't they sneak that in there first and just take them out silently with the worms I think you're right those those worms were completely and totally effective at infiltrating. So, and that was in the midst of battle. Imagine if they did that while they were just waiting around or sleeping or something. So, I I agree. It's kind of just like a uh, all right time to use like the ultimate option <laughs> and bring this like fight scene to a close. Yeah, I mean you get like the conjuring of these massive fireballs and everything else, and then that's how you essentially take down yeah. a handful of mages and refugees like it just feels cheap but so Yennefer gets stabbed takes down Sabrina they fall from the tower and then the kids drop the vials onto tables of blue rock vials and then the 4th of July goes off in the keep because it basically you got a direct hit on the ammo dump uh, and RIP to everyone around it so you see a lot of body parts and just explosion damage and all that stuff. Um, Sabrina wakes up. She's like, I'm sorry. You know, I couldn't I, I couldn't do anything about that, essentially. And Yennefer's, like, limping away. Like, people are dying. Um, and she's just looking for Taseya. She's asking for where Taseya. Can anyone hear me? Taseya, can you hear me? Um, and then Fringella actually reaches out. To get Yennefer yeah. to switch sides, and she says there's no limits in Nilfgaard. There's only power and potential. Yeah. Essentially, like, hey, yeah. you could potentially fix your whole want a baby thing. You know, I don't know. But, uh... So, this was, to me, bordering on plagiarism. Uh, maybe it was homage. I don't know. It's just so... It's just the dark side. It's she's doing Emperor Palpatine right now. <laughs> Seriously, and I'm just like, what? I, and I know. Look, I know. I know Star Wars. They don't own the idea of 
enticing people to the other side of something. But the fact that it's like we have more power and where they and it's dark and you can do whatever you desire. It's it just I couldn't shake the notion that this was just they're like, oh, what if it's like Palpatine and Luke Skywalker? <laughs> that could work. <laughs> and they're like, yep, yep. Yeah. Instead of <laughs> two men, it? let's use two women. Oh, perfect. It's completely different. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I forgot I to know. mention too, before that, before Frangella reaches out to Yennefer, Yennefer's like, okay, like, okay, everyone needs to fall back. Um, Triss, can you close the gate? So Triss makes like vine walls, um, to prevent Nilfgaard from getting into the keep, but it eventually falls cause yeah. she gets like hit with a, a torch or something. And like that really messes her up. And then Yennefer is like wandering outside the keep now, and Coral. You see Coral, the the neck snapper, running in, and some mm-hmm. boy mage gets wrecked, like he's dead. And Coral like. is trying. Yennefer's telling Coral to come back, and uh, Fringella, or not Fringella, um, Coral is about to do some neck snapping, and then like her arm just gets chopped off. And then she gets killed. It's just like, okay. <laughs> Which, okay. that's interesting. Uh, because Coral definitely, in the canon, lives lives on. Like, like she like she's alive, like, late in the canon. Like, in some of the last literature out there, she's alive. So, I maybe she's just, maybe they're like, nah. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, she gets her arm chopped off and she's very dead. But yeah, and then Yennefer wanders out of the keep. Nilfgaard. Oh yeah, and this is the other thing. There's thousands of Nilfgaardian soldiers, and it's just like complete. I guess complete chaos. Like some of them are in the keep, a lot of them are out of the keep. They're killing a lot of people all around, and Yennefer just like stumbles out. You know, no one really cares. Um, and no, that's when Frangella kind of, reaches it's out. Like a trope. Yeah. And that's when yeah. Frangella reaches out. You know, basically, join me. And together we can rule the galaxy as father and so- no wait that's uh, Star Wars um but yeah so we get that <laughs> yeah I'm essentially <laughs> um so but before we conclude that we're back with Geralt he wakes up and this is interesting because we don't know if he's dreaming or not I don't think he right. is um it looks like. Uh, Yurga had pulled off to camp, helped Geralt. He wake Geralt wakes up though. Uh, his wounds are being treated by a druid named Visena. Visena? Visenya? Yep, 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 yep. Visena, who we basically kind of find out that that's his mom. Um, she yep. says he was saved by his pulse being four times slower than normal. Um, and Geralt says. Well, it's because I'm a witcher and he kind of like puts the pieces together and realizes that this is his mother. And he's like, you know, look into my eyes. How do you like them? You know, do you have any idea what they do to boys to get their eyes like that? And that it doesn't always work. Yeah. And he's really mad. Survive the trials. Yeah. He's demanding to know if that when she gave him away, if she was aware that only three out of 10 boys survived the witcher trials, like, did she know that, or did she just leave it all to destiny? And 
she, I mean, Geralt's like real mad and she's trying to avoid all the questions and he's questioning her and she says, you know, you should stop asking questions because the answers are only going to hurt both of us and you have to move on and, and find what he let go of, um, essentially being Siri. And she says, yeah. you know, destiny always has a way of bringing people together or, or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, essentially, uh, yeah, she, she treats him and he's good to go. But it's just an interesting scene because Geralt wakes up and he's like, where's the woman? Where's the woman that treated me? And, and Yara's like, ho, ho, what, which woman, which woman? Because probably yeah. what was going on, because initially it was, uh, what's her name? The very first princess that he kills in, in episode one. What's her name? Oh, uh, uh, ah, Renfrey. Renfrey. So the first person helping him is Renfrey. Mm-hmm. And then it's Yennefer, and then it's Vicenna. So when he's like, he wakes up and he's like, "Where's the woman that helped me?" And Yuri's like, "Oh, which woman? I couldn't tell. You've been calling so many names. Like, it's like, was it real? Was it not real? But like, he's better. I don't know. Yeah. So it was. It's, uh, it's equally. It is equally as vague in the book. This scene, uh, whether or not it actually happens. Um, although. I'm going to say in some form it does actually literally happen because that's the only way he could survive the rest of that. Like the Witcher potions weren't enough to save him and that's like pretty evident in the book. And I think it's pretty evident in the show as well. So I think maybe not the full conversation they had happens, uh, but I do think she does literally treat him. That's And that's the way that his treatment is, you know, he actually makes it. Um, a couple interesting things about Vicenna. Number one, uh, she is not infertile, and yet she is a mage. So, <clears throat> wait, wait, wait. Before uh, you continue, theorized. is there a difference between because she's a druid versus being a mage? Is that is there a difference in that? Um. So, a, a druid is a. It's a concentration of magic. Like it's a, it's a, it's it's pretty much a school of magic. It's not a dryad. It, it's, you're not a magic creature. Um, the, the training might be different, but you're still training to become a mage. Um, okay. Being a druid is more. It's more about what you do with your magic, how you use it, and what you believe in. Um, and you know, they're healers, they're protectors of nature. Blah 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 blah. Um, but she she had official training. Uh, in magic, it's theorized that she trained at some of the other very loosely and very uh, not. They're not referenced often, but there's other places of magic training, obviously in in the, in the big wide world of The Witcher. So um, it appears that she's outside of that, and she she must she might have been highborn. She might have been uh, she might she was someone who didn't need didn't feel the need to have some sort of pact or an exchange of her, her ability to birth children to, you know, become beautiful. Like it, it, it wasn't what was going on at Aratuza. And it's likely that Aratuza is the only place that goes that hard. <laughs> uh, but it's also probably putting out some of like the top triple a talent. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> of mages. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I do. Yep, I follow. That, and that's why she seems a little bit more pedestrian in her ability. But she's still, I mean, obviously a great healer. Uh, other than that, she does not appear ever again. 
Mm. So if you're thinking that Vicenna is going to be like a thing, uh, at least if you're reading the books, she's not. Uh, the only other place where she has a regular appearance is uh, <clears throat> the poorly received Polish uh, Witcher show, which came out a long time ago, called Hexer. Uh do not recommend it. Uh, I actually follow this channel on YouTube where they review. Uh, it's a bunch of VFX artists and they review like bad and good CGI. They reviewed a scene. Uh, it's actually the dragon scene. It's the golden dragon story. Um, oh. And it is so bad. <laughs> oh my God. The, the dragon graphics. It looks like uh, the dragon from Shrek, but gold. <laughs> yeah, and insert so... into like insert in like real footage, dude. It sucks. The dragon exp- like so to, <laughs> to portray the uh, transformation, Borja transformation from like a dragon to a human. The dragon, like the shitty dragon 3D graphic, just explodes like a Power Rangers explosion, and then <laughs> a guy in a horse just rides out of the explosion, going like, ah, "I'm here, <laughs> I'm Borch." It's so good, dude. I'll, I'll send you the link. It's it's amazing. I'm so happy that we're able to drop a Shrek reference. I was worried every but... episode. Yeah, I was get I was getting nervous that we wouldn't be able to. So thank God. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that we were we were able to do that. Um, yeah. Good. Back to Great. the battle. Back to the battle we go. Um, Yennefer does find Tissaia, who's very severely weakened from the black powder in the face, which is super annoying because we didn't get to see Tissaia fight at all. Whatever. Just the easy button. Yeah. Yeah, quite literally, the Staples easy button was hit, and Taseya was down for the count. Um, Gonski. Essentially, uh, Taseya tells Yennefer it's her turn to save the people, save the continent. Um, And, you know, Yennefer's like, I can't. Like, it's you. And she says, No, it's your turn. She says, Forget the bottle. Let your chaos explode. And this is the other fire magic that we see, but it makes a little more sense that Yennefer is able to do this. So Yennefer goes up to like the top of a rock and starts drawing in this energy and like the fire that's above the gate goes out um, of the keep and you can see it like creeping into her hands. And then you hear she has the recollection of her past of like the kids making fun of her, her stepfather saying that. Um, you know, she's no daughter of mine and all her hardships. She just remembers it and it boils over and her chaos does explode. And you see this massive fire wave get unleashed and it just obliterates the Nilfgaardian army like kablamo. Um, and Kay here sees it from afar and then we get like just like a super quick scene. Uh, King Foltis arrives with the Temerian army, which is massive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that I mean that that's kind of it. Like that's 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 it. Um, yeah. So a couple quick words about that. Like that's what I'm talking about. That's the typical fire magic that we've seen in the literature. Um, it's like still very destructive, but it's not dark magic per se. Um, Yennefer also not typically the wielder, and this is something I wanted to mention. I'm, I'm glad we brought this up. Uh, not typically a wielder of fire. Uh, not that I can really remember. It's really Triss who is the fire specialist, uh, 
among Geralt's uh, mage friends. They kind of seem like they're reworking her towards more of an earthen, like, naturalist, like, because she does, like, the poison spores and then the vine door. So it's just kind of interesting. Uh, like, if they're if we see them as Pokemon, like, they've just flip, flipped her from a fire type to a grass type, but whatever. Solid. Uh, that's, that, that's a little interesting. Also, it was at this moment when she says, like, let your chaos explode, and she does that giant thing that I kind of felt a little pang of sadness. And I realized that the magic in this show and in this iteration of The Witcher, it's going to continue to be imbued, like, feeling and emotion. And the magic's all going to be based on, like, personality and, uh, you know, how they can, like, reach out. And it's like it's going to be like this understood sort of vague exchange of power between natural forces and I, I say I'm sad because in the literature magic is a bit of that like the degree the magnitude of magic relies on that but spells are written about they're they're learned they're studied they have names uh, there's there's mages that spells are named after and like they have like uh, you know deep sets of texts that, you know, there's really smart mages that know a lot of spells. Um, I think spell books and things like that, it's nice because uh, it provides structure and it provides like a clear path forward in terms of becoming stronger and learning more. Uh, so Harry Potter really benefited from that sort of magical structure because uh, as you recall, magic was also based on the power of the mage wielding it. Mm-hmm. And the skill in which they wielded it, it wasn't just like read it one time you could you you're able to cast something. So I don't know. I'm I'm a little sad because it's it's always fun seeing mages like work their way out of a bad situation by like remembering a spell that they know. Uh, it just shows it shows skill, it shows intelligence, and I like that. I'm not saying that imbued magics are like gonna doom the show or anything. It's just. Uh, it's just another thing that they lost from the books. Well, I mean, so. I, I I will not combat the, your point, but I think this instance of Yennefer using that explosion of fire is really the only tr- pure emotional use of magic without a spell cast because the other instances that we see through... Excuse me, um the show or this battle even like when Triss does the mushrooms and uh the gateway she's mumbling a spell she's saying a spell you know i i think when the mages are sacrificing themselves they are mumbling or saying a spell like everyone is is saying something like everyone's doing like spells and it's just this one instance of yennefer going off on this pure rage but we kind of like knew that was a part of it because when Yennefer first portals uh, to the magic school, like that was just like pure emotional and it happened. So it's like she's been alive for hundreds and hundreds of years at this point. Like she might know how to kind of channel some, some of her magic like that. And she just never did it because she was told not to. And this instant of like life, death, all this changing happening like this is the instant that 
it's it's kind of harnessed and you could say it's not just pure emotion like the difference between the fire being harnessed by the dark sorcery and sacrifice via um you know them or and yennefer's is yennefer when she's drawing the fire it's literally getting drawn from the fire in the keep like she is getting that energy she's not just producing this energy out of thin air and emotion like she's still kind of following the laws of the continent and, and it's magic and essentially taking yeah the life of the fire and using it uh, and then and then obviously when she like shoots it there's not like probably you know not a spell for you know flamethrower spell or anything but um so i i get what you're saying there but like i don't know if that's going to be the precedent that is going to be set moving forward with magic because every other instance of magic we've had has been relatively within the realm and i know we've had discussions in other episodes where it does fall in line with the books so i don't know i think i'm going to dispute you on that just because this one instance yes but overall i don't think it's going to be like a big trend for uh i uh for them i'm i misspoke a little bit um yeah i'm not saying it's breaking the laws of what what the show's already established. And you're right, there has been some incantations. I'm just saying, like, there hasn't been, like, Shield Crest Surge yet, or, like, Lavella Glan, or any of the elven words. So, that that's what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm worried that they're not going to mention any of, like, the named spells, and they're not going to, like, call them out, uh, because there's a lot. There's a, there's a ton of them, and they're really cool. Uh, one of the things <clears throat> I really looked forward to whenever I play The Witcher 3 is you get to hear all the mages cast the accurate spells and there's a ton of them and you know so far we haven't heard any any of like the elder speech so i don't know i just i I miss it i guess is what i'm saying uh but yeah i mean i i think the magic is fine it's not like it's it's not random it's not stepping over its own feet and not like paying attention to like the rules it's set not by any means yeah well, I guess we'll just kind of see how it goes. Um, but we'll wrap up the episode, uh, uh, you know, episode eight. So, uh, Siri is with the woman in the in uh, the how her house sleeping. Uh, the sounds of battle, you can hear him raging. But uh, she tells Siri, you know, don't worry about it. The Nilf Guardians have no reason to come here. They're trying to go north. Um, and of course, Siri runs into the forest, escapes. Blah blah blah. Um, you know, kind of simultaneously a little bit, uh, Yurga pulls up with Geralt, um, and there's just, like, this weird vision flash of, like, Yennefer, Siri, Geralt, Forrest, girl in the woods will always be with you, echoing, she's your destiny, so Geralt gets up, and Yurga's like, you're never gonna believe what happened, and his wife's like, you're never gonna believe what happened, and Yurga's like, the witch, the, the witcher saved my life, quickly, go get him some ale, butcher, where are you going, where are you going? Because he's just like walking off into the woods. Yeah. And he wanders through and then he sees Siri and they have a big embrace. And he says to her, people linked with destiny will always find each other. And they there's a little bit of a longer pause. And then Siri looks up at him and says, who's Yennefer? And then that's it. That's the season. End scene. Finn. Fiend. Finale. Yeah. Over done uh austin this this hurt me the most out of Uh everything i've watched this season this is the part that hurt me the most 
and it's not it's not anything outright with the scene itself. It's just the fact that it's not the book scene. This entire chapter is not the book uh, because of the way they chose to wrote the show and like the way they chose to uh, write the show. Jesus, and, and and the way they they chose to uh, have Geralt and Siri meet in their storyline. Uh, they had they had to end the show like this, as opposed to how it ends in the book. And I and I will absolutely not talk about this scene because I if if you've made it this far, read the book. This is a beautiful scene. Um, and I'm going to tell you if you were disappointed by the end of the show, if you've been interested by anything I've said about the book, it comes to a head here. And it, it is like the is so satisfying. It's so satisfying how Geralt and Siri actually you know embrace each other in this in this moment. Because I'll say this, they already know each other at this point in the book. Uh, they know each other well, and Geralt's whole struggle with destiny and denying it, and then you know finally accepting it, it just comes together in this beautiful climax. Ah, oh, I'm gonna get emotional just thinking about it. So please. <laughs> Please read the book, but yeah, the quality. I don't know, Austin. I, I don't know what you think, but I, I think the quality kind of dipped off in the, towards the end of this, uh, the end of the series, uh, the last couple episodes. I think it's somewhat like I think what really caused it, in my opinion, is they strayed from the book and they they tried to introduce Siri a lot sooner, and that that. There was logistical problems with that, and then we end up in this place where they're not really sure how to wrap everything up. I don't know. What do you think? I agree with you. I think I it was definitely the season started a lot stronger and ended not as nearly as strong, um, to, to your point. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. But, uh, I mean, overall, I would say The Witcher... <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Whoa! Oh, whoa! <laughs> you good, dog? It felt, like a, it felt like a chili pepper exploded in my throat for a second there. Wow! Let me just take a quick swig. Yeah, keep talking though, man. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's just some of the things that really enjoyed. Obviously, a lot of the fight sequences and, and the choreography and all that. It's gonna be different in season two, unfortunately, because as we had stated before. The fight choreographer is no longer on set, so we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, yeah. Oof. I'm kind of happy that at least all the main characters are going to gonna be together so we don't have a timeline that is just immensely confusing, which which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm definitely looking... The ending didn't mess up my enjoyment of the show at all. So yeah, me neither. Um, I was certainly very happy with The Witcher, um, how uh, how everything panned out, uh, essentially with the show in, in itself and, and everything. You know, Henry Cavill definitely knocked Geralt out of the park. You know, I love the yeah, characters. So yep. um, I think overall an, an immense success for Netflix and for The Witcher series. And we've already said an animated movie in between season two that comes out in 2021. So I'm just interested to see what direction they go in. And I'm, and also on top of that, 
you know, kind of like the Mandalorian had a cast release of season two, and we saw essentially what characters we'd see from Star yeah. Wars canon that was going to make an appearance. Like, uh, for example, like the biggest name that rings out to me is Ahsoka Tano uh, for the Mandalorian season two because right. she's such a huge character in Star Wars canon that I don't, I feel like a lot of people don't really know about. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of see because I know they have a Vesemir. You sent me that. Um, whenever that was, yeah. so they do have a Vesemir who's going to play found, probably a, Vesemir. Yep. an important role. But I'm just curious if they'll they'll do that. You know, something similar with the Mandalorian for season two and their cast release. Obviously, they're taking their time. Um, they're not rushing it or anything like that, which which is fine. I think they had some good and they had some bad. And if they're gonna go back to the drawing board and say, okay season or episodes one through four or one through five or six or whatever were really good and then seven and eight really didn't hit well how do we improve that how do we make good on that um if they're doing that then i'm happy and uh i certainly hope they are um it's i think i said this before uh not this episode but this that marks the end of the short stories uh the next book the blood of elves it's not a collection of short stories. It's uh, it's a novel. So I'm wondering how the style of the show is going to change because the style of the show, in large part, owes itself to the fact that there's these weird storylines going on and there's short stories that they have to connect. And it's not this rollover between episodes as much as you know you would expect from a normal serialized sort of uh, fantasy drama or something like that so I, I, I'm wondering how they're going to do like the different people in different places sort of vibe or if they're even going to attempt to do that I, I'm, I'm not really sure I'm totally okay with the fact that they're going to take their time uh, I think the headline for me and I, I want to hear your headline too I, I want to hear what you really pull from the show but for me it's they got the characters right and that's all I really could have asked for uh, with the exception of maybe Triss, who, and I'm not saying a ca- it's a casting issue. I'm not one of those guys. I'm just, I don't really feel her character uh, really matches sort of uh, her quirkiness, I guess, from uh, the books. With the exception of Triss, I feel like the characters are portrayed amazingly. Um, series, right on the money for me. Yennefer, right on the money for me. Henry Cavill as Geralt, right on the money for me. Um, and a lot of the other, like Stregobor, that feels right. Yaskier, that feels right. So uh, I'm excited. And I feel like if you have the characters right, you have their interaction, you're, they're, what the hell? Their interactions feeling good. Whoa, whoa, Connor messed up dialogue. I know. The, the, the master world's words. ending. Oh my gosh. How Yo, can we go on and delete the Andrew episode? Nation and shambles. I'm deleting delete the, the podcast yeah. Yeah. tonight. I'm deleting myself tonight, dude. I <laughs> I can't come back from this. Sorry, I had to be dramatic. All right, go ahead. Continue. Continue. <laughs> um, They've got that going for them, so I'm not super worried. Uh, but as we saw, the show can take lulls if the pacing, the story, and uh, the overall direction of the episode is not solid. So they got to pay attention to that. And I actually think they're helping themselves, uh, or not helping themselves, but they're 
they're going to have an easier time of it telling the story now that we've moved on into the novels and not the short stories. So that's my that's my big takeaway. How about you? I would say my biggest takeaway is just the establishment of what The Witcher is, who the characters are. I have a little bit of a background, but not nearly as in-depth as you. So trying to take the approach of first-time viewer of The Witcher or just you know kind of diving into the universe itself... I think it does a really good job of once you navigate the the complicated timeline that they present, um, it, it all, you know, you're set up well for the first season. You you have an understanding of who Geralt is, who Yennefer. I think Yennefer and who she is, they did the best job because you really get to see Yennefer from start to finish, and you understand why she is the way she is. And so, I mean, you just, you have the motives of the characters and why they are, you know, Geralt obviously being such the, I mean, essentially the main character, it's not nearly as dived into, but you kind of just get a sense of who he is through his, every interaction that he has with people and Yaskir and and that dynamic and all that stuff. But uh, kind of the same with Siri. like obviously she's got a long way to go in her development, but to kind of start, you know, it, it was cool because I didn't know where what her origins were. And, um, you know, I, I think they did a good job catering to people that don't know anything about The Witcher because you get the beginnings of two of the most important characters outside of Geralt in this universe, um, along with some of the other names that you kind of, you know, you'll remember, you know, for later on or if you choose to play the game or, or read the books to Connor's point, please yeah. read the books for Connor's happiness. Um, so yeah, I, I was just very thoroughly pleased and impressed of the development and the introduction of the Witcher to what I would say would probably be a non-standard audience in the Netflix realm. And that, that's my biggest headline. I, I would say. Sure. I think success in season two is going to be all about, re-establishing and I say re-establishing but really establishing the lore making sure people actually understand what witchers are because uh, again for people who are like actual first timers complete virgins to the the witcher series and they probably are virgins um, <laughs> <laughs> wow they Just uh, insulting yeah, millions of out, people call out dude yeah you guys suck oh, I'm just kidding no. Wow! So totally the entire <laughs> world rising the the first time Witcher world rising up against Connor. Our nice. pod, we have a lot of enemies. We have more enemies than we have fans or friends, and that's really yes. that's how you get that's ahead in this world. Is okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, dude. That's, you got to make a name for yourself. You got to go down uh, in like a guillotine. You got to have just a mob of people calling for your death. That's a wow. life well lived. Anyway, they got to establish right. the lore. They got to make sure that people understand what the hell, uh, what the hell this world really is, and what witchers truly are. Um, I'm not saying that you'll notice about Geralt specifically. Geralt thrives uh, without having a super detailed backstory. Um, I think he's one of those characters that you just want to learn about. You want to see him in action, and you get everything you need to get. Just from seeing him do his job, seeing him do his little grunts and say fuck and, you know, generally be annoyed by people. 
But establish the lore. Make sure people understand the world. Uh, one thing that's nice about something like Lord of the Rings is you kind of understand where kingdoms are in, re- in relation to each other. You understand the movements of troops and the kind of like what forces are going where and who's opposed to who. Um, I'm not saying that like vague or subtle storytelling is a bad thing. I, I love it, but maybe The Witcher isn't the right place for that all the time. The other one is details, uh, which I guess is is part of lore. Um, Witcher potions, the name of signs, uh, the name of sword techniques. How do witchers learn their you know maneuvers, and how do they become skilled? Let's learn more about the trials, uh, the grasses. I I think maybe they're they're not understanding quite as much as they need to. That people like details. It's not just me. Uh, like people enjoy knowing all the spells in Harry Potter. People enjoy knowing all the elven words in Lord of the Rings. These are important touch points for fans. And if they don't serve enough of them, if things are kept vague, like that's just like uh, like a fire attack. Uh, Geralt has like a sword, I guess. That's not going to be enough, and it's really going to hurt them. So, lore and details. What do you think is going to contribute to their success in Season 2? I would say for like a first time, um, I guess, reoccurrence, to reintroduce... I mean, everything that you said, and making sure they, they kind of reintroduce, like, you know, I, I'm just trying to think of the side that's not going to be like full, you know, dive in... Uh, they'll need to be eased back in, so like details are going to be important. Kind of rehash what like what happened, but yeah, to your point, like let's get into more of the details and, and because people do like to know. But my only my difference with you is, you know, there's definitely got to be a line. Like you can't just shove it all down yeah. everyone's throat because there's certainly going to be people that want that in a non weird kinky way right um they they want all those details they want all the lore all now you know immediately season two like we we got the taste now give it to yeah. us all um, <laughs> uh that's wow. a good point that's a good point but it's just so it's just a fine line of you know because i think they did an okay job in this season of explaining like Geralt signed ard but i didn't know the the barrier one so like yeah, I, I agree. Like uh, an explanation of of some of the things in more detail, and and I think learning more backstory. Whether you know Geralt's backstory doesn't have to go all the way back to his childhood, but like he was trying to get back to Vesemir and, and his origins as a Witcher, and I know that's a, a piece in, yeah. in the game. So you know that could be something that they do, and I think people would really enjoy kind of learning about how Geralt maybe grew up and trained and to your point what a witcher is and and how you know we hear it about it's treacherous they don't make witchers quote unquote anymore um so just just all those things i think is important um and you know don't don't lose what was captivating to your audience in the first season which was the excitement of this dangerous world that they all live in you know dialogue is nice at some points but don't lose the cool fight scenes i mean that was one of the biggest things that everyone loved was just the choreography was just amazing 
and these fight scenes Absolutely. and these interactions with these characters was so realistic and, and just thrilling. Yeah. Like, don't lose that. It kind of tapered off at the end. Let's bring it back. You know, find a way to, to bring it back and, and, and keep people hooked and involved because when you see action happen, it makes you more apt to want to know the details behind it versus getting the details given to you but then there's no application of of that stuff so you you know what i'm saying so i think that that's going to be a big part of it's a very fine line you know easier said than done obviously but there's certainly enough time now and uh when season two releases whenever that is in 2021 so my expectation is that they should get it right don't rush it you've got a buffer with the animated movie coming out so, I mean, do your job, right? Just do your best. Do what uh, made you successful, made you one of the highest rated shows ever on uh, IMDb. Every single episode, that, yeah. one of the highest ever. So just just don't lose that. And I I think if you if you cater to a fan like me, it'll be bad. It'll be way too much. It'll be, and you're right. You're right about that. But I do think you said something nice about they will want the details if they see it in action. I definitely believe that too. Because again, it just adds a richness and it adds an understanding and it adds importance to action, which is so nice to have. If Harry Potter was a bunch of just randomly colored spells and they never really explained like that there's death spells, there's like the unspeakable spells there's the taboo ones there's you know if there wasn't like schools and like it was just kind of like oh like what's happening and then like oh he died from that one that would be horrible right it would be it would be frustrating as a viewer we got almost on the edge of that i feel in this first season on the edge of frustrating where it it would just it would have been so nice to have that just that little that little extra amount of detail to kind of help people understand what's happening because like uh ard for instance you 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 mentioned it it was nice to see ard a bunch he's got igni he used yurden one time he's got uh his shield sign uh which i'm blanking on right now um he's got axie which is mind control like these are all the basic witcher signs it's uh, it, it'd be nice to know why he's not using those, for instance. Uh, maybe he hasn't learned them yet or something. I, I, I'm not really sure. So it's, it, it'd be nice. It's And yeah, and it's nice to know if they have like somewhere to grow into, you know, like, is he at the peak of his abilities right now? Is he ever going to learn more stuff? Uh, is he capable of you know, deeping like what the hell diving deeper, <laughs> ah! diving deeper into, into like his Witcher magic and, you know, understanding that on a grander level. So things like that, it just, it, it helps make things feel important. And I feel like fans are really going to latch onto it if they're fed those details. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I definitely, definitely agree with you on that because that's something that I would want. And I mean, I have a little knowledge, but again, like it's always nice to know some of the things and, and kind of fill in the pieces. And then 
with that, when you get a little bit of the details too, it makes you want to look into it even more. And then you just kind of fall down the rabbit hole and that's how you get super fans. So the show has a unique opportunity to create super fans from non-fans essentially with this show. And I, th- I know we talked about it, but Lord of the Rings show coming to Amazon Prime, Star Wars on Disney Plus, Netflix has a Witcher and it has the ability to uh, potentially create some super fans. I mean, Connor, you'd mentioned it when we started this series, like book sales and game sales skyrocketed from this show so yeah they're doing all the right things it's just continuing that and it's a delicate process so we'll absolutely see what happens uh for season two and also the animated movie because obviously if the animated movie does well maybe they'll do animated show and really be able to expand upon some of the uh, different lore stuff and if you're like me you like all your lore in one location you know like star wars stuff like rebels clone wars it's all on disney plus i don't have to go all these other places for it so that's nice you know so the witcher has the opportunity to contain their universe and control it in one platform for for lazy people like me that you know can't read and refuse to change channels to expand the lore but want to learn more you know there you go perfect perfect avenue for it yeah, and maybe you know what? Maybe they're looking at kind of the Marvel model and the and the Star Wars model of having like a pretty ex- expansive universe. There's not uh, currently uh, a lot going on with other characters that we really know of. It hasn't been attempted before, but they certainly could write more stories in the Witcher universe that don't involve Geralt. It would feel kind of weird because it's it is very very much wrapped around Geralt in a way that's just unlike most other fantasy uh, IPs. So that might be hard for fans to swallow. Uh, but if they really wanted to, I think they could. They, they could definitely make a little universe of, of Witcher content. We'll, we'll see how that works. I'm not sure myself if I would want that uh, just because Geralt's my boy. But I don't know. I don't know. I might be open to that down the road. We'll just have to see where where it gets taken, you know, where it takes us. But it's exciting, and that's uh, that's what's exciting for us is we get to watch it develop and roll with it, criticize it, enjoy it, all those things, and then break it down for for you guys. So that's what makes it fun for us. But it's been yeah, a while man. since I've said this, but the dive is concluded when we're we're headed back to the surface. Uh. Our next episode will probably be kind of like an interim. We'll go in a different direction. We'll talk about the new Call of Duty, most likely. Um, Yay! So we'll talk about how awesome that's been, the single player, the online, all of that. And then after that, we're actually going to do back. We're going back into the sci-fi, but instead of medieval, we're going into the future, Altered Carbon, which... I am about to wrap up a rewatch of season one, and I've already watched some episodes of season two. My wife and I, I don't know how much my wife likes it. She likes it, but I love it. Like, And honestly, I love season one yeah. so much. I forgot because it's been a couple years since I watched it. But I know Connor's starting to watch it. Hopefully he's excited about it as I am because I absolutely love every yeah. bit of Altered Carbon, what it offers, what it brings to the table. And the mind games that it's able to play because of the technology. 
So that's just a little snippet, but we'll get we'll do into that uh, probably in a couple weeks. So stay tuned for that. As always, follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Instagram has the fateful picture of my envelope on my wedding, or the day before my wedding, Jacqueline and Andrew, and not Austin, my actual name. So go take a look at that, like that, uh, and make fun of it, or hashtag Andrew Nation on it. So I know that Andrew Nation is alive and well. Um pod chaser review us that's our next thing i know i've said it it's been a while but we want to do some interactions with some listeners we thank you so much we're over 600 downloads on our episodes and we had downloads while we weren't even doing anything being stupid in florida so thank you for that let us know what we can do better let us know what you like let us know what you want to hear about just uh just talk to us we're lonely and give us reviews on iTunes too, because we like to see that stuff. <laughs> Is everything all right, man? Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm married, so I'm fine. But you know, oh, for the brand, are just, baby. Are you trying to help me out? Wow, uh, man. those are your words, not mine. Is that how that works? Okay. Well, it turns out you're right. I am lonely. So, are you happy? <laughs> I guess all right, so. guys. Well, uh, it has been lovely talking to you all it's been lovely talking to you austin uh i'm excited i'm excited for what's next man dude me too me too so again thank you so much for tuning in and taking that dive with us again we're back on the surface go about your day enjoy it and we will dive with you guys again soon take care y'all put me in coach Thanks for listening to this episode of Dweeb Dive. If you liked what you heard, please, please, please like and give us a follow so we can continue diving into your favorite topics. There's been a lot of hot takes. There's been a lot of claims, a lot of references to the deep lore. If you have a question, a comment, feedback, you're angry with me for something perhaps inaccurate I said, which is very likely, please do not hesitate to reach out on our accounts and ask us the big questions. We would love to hear from you. Thanks, guys.